Thanks for tuning into the Caleb Hires podcast. For more great content like this, head to calebhires.com or check out The Resting Place at therestingplacetampa.com. I want to talk about breaking down the walls of hostility because there are walls of hostility. Come on. In our culture, it's very polarized. It's it's this really uh, potent issue right now. I'm doing this new thing on my podcast. This is not a commercial. I promise it's important. Where I'm actually interviewing perfect strangers. I, I call it Stranger Talks. And so I, I work mobile. So I'll walk up to a perfect stranger and I ask them, do you think the world is getting better, worse, or staying the same? And I have interviewed three people so far from drastically different socioeconomic backgrounds, everything, every different race, every different gender. And because there's only two, hallelujah. And so... Yep. And so the answers are amazing. They all say, we just don't want this us and them thing. Perfect strangers. One was a pastor. I didn't know that until we started talking all stuff. But the us and them thing is just a dividing wall of hostility. And it's been amazing for me. But the gospel actually hinges on this. And it, it's actually, we express it this way in our core value, our first core value. It's that we honor everyone. Let's say it together. We honor everyone. And the word honor actually means to assign value. So you can't assign value to someone and dishonor them. You can't assign value to someone and be hostile and cruel and non, you know, loving towards them. That's not assigning value. So this is a big deal for us. Our first value being honor everyone. And I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 2 today. We're going to spend a majority of the time there. I'm also going to jump around and talk really, really fast. Are you okay? Are you ready? Here we go. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to have verse 13 through 16 on the screen for you. Otherwise, you can turn on your phone or whatever, but it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. Come on. For he himself is our peace. Let's say that together. He himself is our peace. Come on. Peace is a person. A person. He himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Let's say that, killing. Killing the hostility. Come on, the cross of Christ killed the hostility between you and whoever else. Fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. But Paul is talking in Ephesians 2 about the the struggle between Jews and Gentiles. And he goes through in Ephesians 1 saying, you know, he opens with a prayer, blessing them with every spiritual blessing. He actually says we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And he says that... um, Ever since he's heard of these people in Ephesus, he's not stopped thanking God for them. And, that they, and he releases to them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ and the glorious inheritance in the saints. I'm just giving you a little bit of context because then he says, uh, Christ has been placed in verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but the one to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Meaning Christ is over everything. Christ is not over this type of people, but not those. He's giving the, he's talking from a position of being a Jew. Paul grew up as the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was the law guy. And he's saying all of that is over because of Christ. Okay. And this Jew and Gentile thing, you might think that's not a big deal. That is the deepest race war you've ever heard of. 
That is the longest standing race war there is. It runs deep, y'all, Jew and Gentile. It was the people of God versus everybody else. Everybody else. This is true. And if you want to write this down, it's actually back in Joshua chapter 5. There's just one little example of this that um, I actually love this story because of the, the way it goes down between Joshua. Joshua is standing before the walls of Jericho. And I'm just going to read this to you. Joshua 5, 13 through 14. Joshua now has the armies of Israel and he's leading them into battle. And it says, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? <laughs> and what this is actually, you'll find out later in the story here that it's actually an angel. It's the, the commander of the army of the Lord. And he says, are you for us or are you for them? This is the leader of all of God's people right here saying, are you for us or are you for them? And I love the answer. The angel said, no. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. He said, are you for us or are you for them? And he said, no. No, I am not. <laughs> but I am the commander of the army of the Lord, and now I have come. He's saying, I refuse to take your side, leader of the people of God. I'm calling everyone onto my side. Are you for us or for them? The angel says, no. I love it. I love it. It's great. I love it. I want to go back to Ephesians 2 because I just want to, I want to impart to you the, the revelation that Christ and his cross killed every hostile environment, every border, every single one of them. He killed the hostility. It doesn't mean there aren't differences. It just means that you don't get to be hostile against them, whoever they are. And I'm about to break a bunch of preaching rules, especially church plant rules. where it, Stuff you don't talk about, I'm about to talk about. So just, I mean, we're not here for you, so I'm good. We're here to equip you. We're here for Jesus. We're here speaking the word of the Lord who is a person. So starting in Ephesians 2, I'm going to do something really quick, and I'm going to do what I call read preaching, all right? So I'm going to read it and preach it at the same time just to get two things done at once. I'm reading out of the ESV if you want to follow along, Ephesians chapter 2. And we're not going to have it on the screens because I love hearing the sound of flipping pages. It's good. You should know how to turn in your Bible. So verse 1 of chapter 2 out of Ephesians 1 where he just said, remember, that all things are under Christ. Say it with me. All things are under Christ, right? And those things are in the church. So he says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. You were dead in the trespasses in which you once walked. Are you hearing the language? Past tense. You were dead in the trespasses you once walked, people of God. You were the walking dead. <laughs> uh-huh. Zombies are in the Bible. Ephesians 2, verse 1, right there. That's zombies. Come on, somebody. Those are zombies. You were dead in the trespasses in which you once walked. You were the walking dead. Come on. <laughs> following the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3, among whom we all once lived, once lived, past tense, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. We were by nature children of wrath. It was natural for you to be wrathful. It was natural for you to sin. It was. It was. Like the rest of mankind, 
But God, hallelujah, come on somebody. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Now that right there is co-alive in the Greek. It's alive in union with Christ. When Christ raised, so did you. All you have to do is say yes. And you access that resurrection power in your own life. So don't give me that crap about you being the zombie right now. (sighs) Even when we were dead in our trespasses, Christ made us alive. God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. Come on, you're not seated next to him, around him, or across the pond. You're seated with him, in him. You are seated on the mercy seat. And therefore, if you understand this, if this gets in your spirit, you will be a minister of mercy who refuses hostility towards another race, person, group, whatever, fill in the blank. I'm trying. I'm trying right now. Raised us up with him and seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. The reason you're raised The reason you're a city on a hill, come on somebody. The reason you're up and to be viewed as something great is so that God can display his kindness through you. Say kindness. Kindness. He wants to display the immeasurable kindness of God through you, to you, in you. That's just amazing to me. Here's the verse everybody knows. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, and that word workmanship is actually poema. You are God's poetry. You are God's masterpiece of art. You're his poetic art. That's amazing. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. That means that everything you are came from Jesus. The genetic makeup of you, the new you, was created in Christ. Christ was the factory. You were the results. So all the tools to make you were in Jesus. So tell me about your nastiness. Tell me about that. Defend your nasty. (laughs) For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, meaning you get a revelation of where you began. You're going to become what he is. You're going to do the good works that he gave you to do. But you try to do the good works so that you can become something, it's going to be real frustrating. But if you realize what you've become in Christ, recreated, you will do out of who you are. Therefore, remember... Oh, here we go. Remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you at one time, that time, sorry, were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Wow. You had no hope and without God at one point. We're all born under the sin of Adam. Come on. The sin of Adam. Eve was deceived, Adam chose. You're not under the sin of Eve, you're under the sin of Adam. Uh, Okay. So, you were alienated, you were, listen to this, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. He's saying that you were the them, guys. You were the them. At one point, you were them. And you read the Old Testament, the people of God were hostile towards the them quite a bit. 
But Christ has come and done something different. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who made us both one. He's talking about Jew and Gentile, but you put it in your context for me, all right? Made us both one. He has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace. You got to understand, on the earth there were two men on the earth in God. God's sight. Me and them. Us and them. And now he has changed that program to the one new man. Everyone's being invited into the one body of Christ. And when you say yes to Jesus, you get invited into that. Come on. And he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the uh, the hostility. My gosh, that's not hostility. Killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Come on, somebody. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. In whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. I would say a resting place for God. Hallelujah. Do you see how the gospel actually takes away your right to be hostile towards another people group? Let's talk about some dividing walls of hostility. I've written some down. (laughs) This is not an exhaustive list. But it's the one that I just wrote down this week. Here's the first one, race versus race, black versus white, you name it. Yep, big deal. Big wall of hostility in culture right now. Here's one, Nike versus (laughs) anti-Nike. Burning your $400 kicks, that's pretty hostile, I'm just saying. Men versus women in the church. Men church leaders versus women church leaders. <laughs> Kneeling versus standing. NFL, if you don't watch sports, that's an NFL one right there. Democrat versus Republican. Rich versus poor. Pro-Trump versus anti-Trump. Pro-Israel versus anti-Israel. Vegan versus meat eaters. This is real stuff. Pro-vaccination versus anti-vaccination. The resting place versus your old church. (laughs) Amen, let's go home. (laughs) John Gray, an African-American pastor who I love listening to him preach says, when we come into Christ, we lay down our culture to pick up the kingdom. When we come into Christ, we lay down our culture to pick up the kingdom. Can't hold on to your culture, your us, and pick up the kingdom at the same time. It's impossible. And the unity of the spirit is not about doing the same thing. It's about doing it with the same spirit. Come on, somebody. It's not about looking the same. It's about operating from the same motivation. The reality is we maintain our individuality in order to create, to celebrate the multi, 
My goodness, I'm going to read that again. We maintain our individuality in order to celebrate the multifaceted wisdom of God. It's not about everybody looking the same. I love that I'm the only long-haired, bearded one in here, I think. I'm looking around. Yeah, I love that. It's not about you looking like me growing your hair out in a beard and looking like sort of homeless Jesus. It's not about that. We maintain our individuality in order to celebrate the multifaceted wisdom of God. And I'm going to read something to you. This is quite long, but it's 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 26. I'd just rather give you more of God's word than my opinion. So I'm going to read a lot of Bible to you. If you come back, guess what I'm going to do next? I'm going to read a lot of Bible to you. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 through 26, if you want to write that down. I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. It talks about how God celebrates our diversity. And if God celebrates something, then so should we. <laughs> if God thinks it's worth celebrating, it's probably worth, help me, celebrating, Right? Just as the human body is one, though it has many parts that together form one body, so too is Christ. For by one spirit we are all, we all were immersed and mingled into one single body. And no matter our status, whether we are Jews or non-Jews, oppressed or free, black or white, Democrat, Republican, pro-Trump, anti-Trump, we are all privileged to drink deeply of the same Holy Spirit. In fact, the human body is not one single part, but rather many parts mingled into one. So if the foot were to say, I'm not a hand, since I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it's forgetting that it still is a vital part of the body. And if the ear were to say, since I'm not an eye, I'm really not a part of the body, it's forgetting that it's still an important part of the body. Think of it this way. If the whole body were just an eyeball, how could it hear sounds? If the whole body were just an ear, how could it smell different fragrances. I don't remember who said it, but comparison is actually the thief of joy. I'm not an I. I don't preach like that. I don't read my Bible that often. I can't blah, whatever. Fill in the blank. Comparison is the thief of joy. <clears throat> but God has carefully designed each member and placed it in the body to function as he desires. A diversity is required. I love this translation. It says a diversity is required. Let's say that again together. A diversity is required. Let's say it like you mean it. A diversity is required. For if the body consisted of one single part, there wouldn't be a body at all. So now we see that there are many different parts and functions, but one body. It would be wrong for the eye. Mm, I'm going to get upset. It would be wrong for the eye to say to the hand, I don't need you. And it's wrong for you to see someone different and say, because we're different, I don't need you. It's messed up. It's unbelief in the finished work of Christ. I'm sorry, I've been waiting to preach this for like three weeks, and it's like, it's in there ready to explode. It would be wrong for the eye to say to the hand, I don't need you. And equally wrong if the head said to the foot, I don't need you. And we've said this. We've said this, man. The black church can stay over there. We got our white church over here. I don't need you. The charismatic crazies can stay over there. We got our Baptist-style church over here. I don't need you. We don't collaborate because I don't need you. It's wrong. It's wrong. In fact, the weaker our parts, the more vital and essential they are. The body parts we think are less honorable, we treat with, we treat with greater respect. 
and the body parts that need to be covered in public, we treat with propriety and clothe them. But some of our body parts don't require as much attention. Instead, God has mingled the body parts together, giving greater honor to the lesser members who lacked it. He has done this intentionally so that every member would look after the others with mutual concern. This is what John was saying earlier. Thinking about yourself is silly. When you look after each other, it would work out. Looking after each other with mutual concern so that there will be no division in the body. In that way, whatever happens to one member happens to all. If one suffers, everyone suffers. If one is honored, everyone rejoices. This is why I have a really big problem with saying, like, the tribulation is over there coming at us. No, there are people being in real tribulation right now, losing their heads for the gospel. What do you call that other than tribulation? If one suffers, everyone suffers. If you've got a brother and sister you've never met on the other side of the world and they're suffering, you're suffering. If one is honored, everyone rejoices. It's not about becoming the same. It's about believing the gospel that says the hostility is over. Christ broke open in his body a new way. His flesh ripped open is our path toward peace with one another. If you're hostile in heart towards another human being or another a people group, you need to believe the gospel. It's that simple. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, meaning we regard no one according to their political affiliation, skin color, habits. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. That's how I know that that word flesh there is not talking about sin natures because Christ didn't have one. He did, or he didn't operate in one. You know, you can't see... Christ operating in a sin nature anywhere. He didn't sin. So this is talking about the body, the flesh. We got no one according to their natural man or woman, right? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has helped me come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. If you're hostile towards them because of their political candidate, you are not operating in the ministry of reconciliation. You have just defaulted. You have, you have taken yourself out of the opportunity to reconcile them to God. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal, appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This is talking about those who have yet to be reconciled to God. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that we in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Meaning it has nothing to do with what you do. It has everything to do with believing what he did and that everyone's invited to that simple belief saying, yes, the sacrifice of Jesus is enough for me to stop hating everybody around me, to start loving my family right, to walk in peace with my neighbor. The sacrifice of Jesus is everything I need. I don't even need them to want me to forgive them. I don't even, I don't even need them to be right towards me. I don't even need them to be repentant towards me. It's not about them doing something. It's about Christ and what he did. I'm not going to forgive them because they're not sorry. You don't believe the gospel. <laughs> I'd love, love to break it to you. 
I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. This thing goes beyond, like, you going to heaven and having all the right ideas all the way there. We assign value to everyone. We honor everyone. Here's the way forward. Here's what we do from today. We believe the gospel. We believe that Christ has killed the hostility. You feel hostility rising up in you? You say, oh, no, go back to hell where you came from. Christ killed that hostility. Yes. It's not yours. You've become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus when you say yes to him, and all that you were gets kicked out, and all that he is moves in. And so you have no right to excuse yourself for acting a fool. I'm sorry, but a lot of the church is just figuring out a theological way to excuse their sin. <laughs> but the gospel says you've been empowered with a supernatural ability to love others and yourself well. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That you've been given everything you need according to life and godliness. That you're able to right now go up to that person who you are hostile and hard towards and release them from punishment and ask their forgiveness and deal with it. You are empowered to deal with your stuff right now. This is the empowering gospel we're preaching. We're saying you are responsible for you. Don't blame the devil for you hating somebody. Certainly don't blame them for you hating them. That is powerlessness. You're saying that that people over there controls the way you are? Wow. You're giving them a lot of power in that relationship, aren't you? But Christ has empowered you to be Christ-like on the earth. The different ways of intentional relationship will flow naturally if we believe this wholeheartedly. It's not hard for me to love people who are different than me. It's seriously, I know many of you, it's not hard for you to love people who are different than you. And I would say the reason is you believe the gospel <laughs> wholly, completely, 